Hey, book friends, this is Corey. Welcome to episode three of Books and Tea with Curie and Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation, there may be spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. So let's chat about the tea we're sipping on today, Corey. So I talked to Kiri into trying one of my favorite teas. It came up in our last episode. She was saying she's not much of a green tea fan. And my absolute favorite tea is Tazo tea. Um, and it's called Zen. It is a green tea with spearmint and lemongrass. And it used to be the default green tea at Starbucks. Here's your fun fact for the day. And then they switched tea brands and I got really sad. But you can still get Tazo Zen tea pretty much anywhere. And it's really tasty, both warm and cold. What do you think? It's pretty good. I think I like it because you can't actually taste the green tea aspect. So as long as it's not just plain green tea, I think I'm going to enjoy it. But it has this very crisp, refreshing, minty flavor to it, which is really nice. And I can see why you would like it cold as well, like especially mm-hmm. after a big bike ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We usually have a picture of it in the in the refrigerator during the summertime. Which, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's summertime. It's, it's time. summertime. So it is time for ice zen tea. And, you know, I like to think that maybe it makes me feel a little more zen to drink zen tea. (laughs) Probably not. Okay. Quick recap. This is our last episode of talking about our book recommendations that we started out with. After this week, we are going to head into our regular format of genre exploration. So, Corey, which of my book recommendations do you want to start with? I'm going to start with The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Um, So most people have heard of this book in Douglas Adams. He's probably one of the best known authors of science fiction out there. I know Kiri picked this one for me because I often head into the realm of fantasy, supernatural, magical realism. And I saw the movie, so I kind of knew what to expect from the book. (laughs) Bottom line... I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. (laughs) That's the thing. Yep. It was okay. And so I'll talk a little bit about my mixed feelings about it. I realized, first of all, that I'm more interested in books that are are about magic realism. And I like that when there's elements of something that's unusual, but set into a world that I can understand or relate to. Yeah, that's not this book. So, for example, I liked the beginning part the best when they're, like, hanging out in the pub <laughs> and they're talking with the, the bartender right before they take off. And, you know, to me, like, uh, that was then when they, like, are, like, world hopping, I'm kind of like, what's going on? <laughs> so, I, so, yeah. So, here's the things that were challenging for me. It was a little too silly and nonsensical for me. All the names were a bit distracting and hard to keep track of, which maybe isn't a good thing to be, like, obsessing over. But I kept going, where are they going? What is that thing? Who is that person? Mm -hmm. I just really – so I couldn't relate to people, I think, because of that. And I think also it had this, let's see how ironic we can be vibe. (laughs) And that just doesn't appeal to me. I'm not big on sarcasm. And when I looked at how others describe this book, the words amusing, sarcastic, and philosophical were used multiple times. Mm. So, you know, satire and, and sarcasm just aren't things that I usually get right away nor that I really enjoy. On the other hand, it was a really short read, so thank you. Mm-hmm. It only it came in at about 143 pages on the version I was reading. Cool. So, so I didn't torture you for too long. No, you didn't. <laughs> and I feel like that's one of the, this is one of those books you're supposed to read at some right. point, right? Yeah. Especially if you're a big reader, even if you don't like it, just having read it and being able to appreciate what it's about, I think is good. So I'm glad to have marked it off my list. 
So for our readers slash listeners who haven't read it yet, here's the basic promise. An Earthman is rescued from an about-to-be-destroyed Earth by an acquaintance. Uh, this person ends up being a space traveler, and he is working on research for the Hitchhiker's Guide, hence the name of the book. And the idea is that there's this whole universe of worlds out there to travel and essentially hitchhike through if you know how to do it. And I will say I did like the little interludes where they would have like tips from the Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. I, I Those were kind of funny and cute. Long and short, they go on this really big adventure. I'm not going to tell you a whole lot about it because, you know, even though we warned you of spoilers, we still want you to maybe go out and read it yourself. The whole premise is that there is this supercomputer and it's connected to the creation of our Earth and how the Earth came to be. So that's kind of the philosophical piece of why are we here? Why do we exist? And this is Douglas Adams' interpretation um, <laughs> that you find out at the end of this little book. It is part of a series. So if you're like, this sounds awesome and you read it, there's... Um, the restaurant at the end of the universe. There's like another one. I can't remember the name of it. And um, again, another fun fact for today is it started out as a BBC radio series. Mm, did not know that. Yep. 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 So that's all I got for you. That was uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide. Um, <laughs> I did do some research uh, as far as maybe some other books that might be fun. And I found one that I think we should check out at some point. It's called The Air Affair, Affair kind of like Jane Eyre. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to read you the little description. It says, welcome to a surreal version of Great Britain circa 1985 where time travel is routine, cloning is a reality, dodos are the resurrected pet of choice, and literature is taken very, very very serious. Whoa. Serious pants. Yep. England is a virtual police state where an ant can get lost, literally, in a Wordsworth poem. Militant Baconians <laughs> heckle performances of Hamlet, and forging Byronic verse is a punishable offense. All of this is business as usual for Thursday next, renowned special operative in literary detection, <laughs> until someone begins kidnapping characters from works of literature. What? I know. When Jane Eyre is plucked from the pages of Bronte's novel, Thursday must track down the villain and enter the novel herself to avert a heinous act of literary homicide. That sounds really cool. Right? It's really cool. I know. So, I mean... And so I could see why that would be recommended if you liked Checker's Guide, <laughs> but this sounds so much better to me. <laughs> I like it. I think I think we should try and read this. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe we could do it for French versus English. Maybe that can be your English pick. Or that could be your English pick. Maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway, so, I, you know, I think I what I'm also curious, and we'll see as we continue to do sci-fi, is I think out of all the... Um, out of all the genres that are not realistic things, I think sci-fi is the one I struggle with the most, unless it's like cheesy young adult stuff. Mm. Um, I, I, I think sometimes that otherworldliness, I do get kind of stuck in, well, this isn't real. This wouldn't happen. Yeah, I think it's all about finding good sci-fi. So mm -hmm. my partner and I were talking about this recently, about if you go on Goodreads, you have to pick a sci-fi book that is a four and above in okay. regards to ratings because all the other ones are kind of shitty. Mm. So I've started reading more sci-fi and Goodreads has been a pretty good tool to getting good science fiction okay. books going for me that are mm -hmm. highly rated and respected and are very intriguing. So yeah. well, and I, I, I found myself thinking back to that Ursula Le Guin book that we read for book club. Yeah. And again, like that was a science fiction where I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. Why are we reading this? This is, I don't even stupid. remember the name of it something about the water. word for forest is trees oh yeah 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 something like that i think i might have left 
okay. Before I know I bought that book, but uh-huh. I don't think I actually read it because oh, I think I had busted. left. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think again, I was just like, eh. and so having have like, and and she's a really well known science fiction writer. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe science fiction just isn't for me. But maybe I just haven't found the right thing yet. So. All right. So that was book number one. Um, I am going to move on to my next book, which is The Circle by Dave Eggers. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) I've read a couple other books by Dave Eggers. Have you? I have. Yeah. Okay. What else have you read? Me Talk Pretty One Day. Is that a Dave Eggers book? No, that's David Sedaris. (laughs) Close, but no cigar. Uh, I don't know. I think I have... Two of his books that I've read, but I can't remember the names of them. Maybe I haven't read any Dave Eggers. Okay. Maybe I'm confusing him with David Dave Sedaris. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's what's happening. Okay, so I've read a little bit of Dave Eggers, and um, oh, I read the heartbreaking work of Staggering Genius. Okay, yeah. what did you think about that? That was depressing. Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, horrible. It was horrible, and I really I forced myself to slog through that. Because, you have to do because that was before I started abandoning books. Yeah, and now I'm like, dang it, I should have just let that one go. Yep. But, you know, to each their own. Um, so I, the other two books of his that I liked a lot better, I really liked Zatoon, um, which is narrative nonfiction. And it was basically set around – it's a true story, obviously, because it's nonfiction. And it's set in Hurricane Katrina. And the Syrian-American stays behind and rides out the hurricane. And then he goes around in his boats. And he has rental properties and stuff. So I think that's part of why he wants to stay. So he goes around and I think it's like a canoe or maybe it's a small motorboat. Who knows? But he literally is going around the city and he is rescuing people. He's delivering water. He's taking care of abandoned pets. Like he's being this really good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. And he's in one of his rental properties and the police come. And I think maybe he doesn't have identification. There's something weird that happens, but they end up arresting him and they hold him in prison for over 20 days without any rights. Um, He can't contact his family and all of this stuff. So it really kind of angers you. There's certainly some racial profiling going on, but you're also kind of going, well, is this okay when you're in this type of disaster situation and you're under military law? Um, So it raises a lot of interesting questions. Mm. And it reads really well. It's one of those books that even though it's nonfiction, you just kind of want to keep going. I, I don't remember liking this quite as much, but still finding it interesting. And it's one of those books where it's fiction, but it's based in fact. And so it's about a story of a lost boy of Sedan. And it goes through... What happens to him and his village and his family um, when they're attacked? Ultimately, he ends up becoming an immigrant to the United States. I think he and another Sudanese young man are, are they land in Atlanta, and it's about them navigating the American culture after being mm-hmm. um, in that type of war torn, tortury type of setting. So I share that because. This is like a complete 180. (laughs) Uh, This is very different other than I guess a common theme through all of his books is kind of some social commentary, Mm -hmm. looking at current event type of things and writing about them. But The Circle really kind of goes in a really dark and scary place, which was good and scary. (laughs) So I know you now know why I said I was thinking about getting off all social media because holy shit. I know. So, yeah. So, Curious said this was going to be fascinating and creepy. She wasn't kidding. She was absolutely right. 
And I think she picked it because I am a little bit obsessed with dystopian novels. <laughs> and this certainly goes into that dystopian path, although it's a little too close to um, reality. reality. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, when it's and that, well, the other stuff could be anyway, we're not going to go there. <laughs> um, so anyways, I had certainly been aware of this book and been like, huh, is that going to be interesting? I don't know. So again, Carrie did a great job of picking some, pushing me into picking something that had been on my radar, but not interested enough to actually pick it up on my own. So I'm going to just give you a really quick little synopsis of the book and some of my feelings and chime in, Kiri, um, if anything resonates with you or if you want to add something (laughs) that I miss. Uh, So this is told from the third person point of view of May. And May just graduated from college, I think a couple years ago. Maybe Mm -hmm. it was less than a year ago. She's relatively new, I think, to the world. Which is important. You know, she's in her early 20s. And Lord knows when you're in your early 20s. you Hot mess. Hot mess. (laughs) Yeah. But she's working a dead-end job that she hates. She finally decides to reach out to one of her best friends from college who's working for this uh, California tech company called The Circle. And um, she gets a job with them. And it's a really prestigious company. You know, it's meant to evoke feelings of Google or Apple or, you know, one of those big tech companies and in, uh, you know, Northern California with a gigantic campus with everything you could ever mm-hmm. possibly want on the campus so that maybe you never have to leave. And um, and so, you know, that's kind of where you start. And so it's told from her point of view, but, you know, more that objectional point of view. And so you start with this description of this idyllic and beautiful campus mm-hmm. and, you know, that's all manicured blondes and beautiful art mm-hmm. and everyone's friendly and smiling. And she's so happy to be there. But I really, what I quickly started getting was a Stepford Wives vibe. Mm, did interesting. You, did no. you think about that? No, I just thought, so my cousin worked for Google and then oh, he worked for Facebook okay. and now he works for Pinterest. So uh-huh. I'm, I've seen the Google campus and okay. how beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. And there's a swimming pool and a volleyball court. So it just kind of really reminded me of Google campus. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you it seems amazing. It seems ideal on the surface. But there's this vibe where you're starting going, why is everything seem so perfect? Yeah. Why is everyone seem so perfect? And what's really going on? And the other thing that I wrote down in my notes is you get this cultish vibe. Like mm-hmm. it feels like a cult, especially as the book progresses. It gets really kind of culty. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, but and May herself is a pretty frustrating character. Yeah. Uh, she's but, you know, she's naive. Yep. Um, she has this complete willingness to drink the circle Kool-Aid. Totally. And not see any faults or concerns with what they're doing. And as this observer of how this is unfolding, <laughs> and, and that's one of the things I'd say with the book is you kind of know where it's going. Yeah. Like it's pretty obvious what's happening and where it's going, but you're but you still want to read and see how do they actually do it and why and what's gonna happen. It, you know, it's again kind of like that I must see what's gonna happen, even though I know where, where this is all headed. Peeking your eyes through your fingers when mm-hmm. your fingers are covering your eyes, that kind of thing of like, I don't want to see this, but I need to see it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you picked up when you were reading this, um, because I don't know how long ago it was. But there was a lot of things where she was like really looking at people's cues as far as were they smiling or did they look happy? Mm -hmm. I mean, like she seemed very focused on do people, how are they reacting to her? How are they reacting to situations, those external cues on their faces and and whatnot? Yeah. Um, And I thought that was kind of an interesting but subtle thing. I was like, oh, again, you're like really about how, what does everyone else think? Right. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I also, one of my first notes that I wrote down was, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. (laughs) And 
I said that because in the book, you keep getting introduced to all these great new programs and ideas that, again, on the surface, they seem like really good ideas, like tracking down kidnapped children right. um, and that things that would improve the world. But then you're kind of if you like take a step back, you're like, oh, you want to put a microchip in their bone when they're babies? Right, yeah. OK, that's a little creepy, which I kind of think is where we're heading. I mean, there's some crazy stuff that people are like, mm-hmm. your credit card can now be attached to your fingerprint. So you don't ever have to carry cards with you. You can Whoa. just use your fingerprint. OK, I'm, like, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. I know. No, thank you. I'm already on Facebook. I don't need anybody else knowing anything more about me. Oh, I know. Well, and sometimes with even with our phones, I sometimes think this feels a little spacey. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's become normalized, but things like being able to pay with your phone and right. that you just have to carry this one gadget around to check in on an airplane yep. and pay for things. And I'm like, it's cool, but it's also weird. Yeah, and I totally. don't know how I feel about this. I also have this weird thing. I don't know if you're like this. I really don't like talking to inanimate objects. So I don't like to talk to my phone. I'm, I would never be like, hey, Siri. <laughs> but even like our... Um, we have a Roku uh-huh. and you can do like a verbal search for things. Uh, and I would rather like punch in letter by letter what I'm looking yeah. for because I don't want to be like, I want to watch House of Cards. Right. I feel weird doing that. You know, I really love talking to Siri and asking her really stupid questions and having her be mm. really funny in her responses. So, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things where I'm kind of like, mm. I don't know. <laughs> They're watching you. Yeah. So again, I, you know, it had this utopian vibe, but it also is like this dominating thing of we're going to dominate the world and make it our version of what we think should be good. And, you know, so the, the big overall theme that I pulled out of it is uh, the conversation about a loss of privacy mm-hmm. and privatization of the public, mm-hmm. but under this veil of benevolence. Yeah. And that's what makes it seem so creepy and subversive is yeah. that they're like, we're doing all these great things for the world. And as you kind of get into it, the people who were not so jazzed about what's happening start throwing around the word totalitarianism. Yep. And you're like, oh, yeah. 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 So, and, you know, it, there's this ongoing obsession and drive for perfectionism. After a while, I started thinking about how they would follow up with people after they did their little survey if they didn't get 100. Yep. And sometimes do it multiple times. Yep. And that, like, their overall satisfaction score with their customers had to be, what, like 98? Something ridiculous. And I was like, is that realistic? Are, and is that even real? Are they just like, okay, so you'll shut up. I'll give you 100. Yeah. There was also this push for oversharing in community, like some of that stuff with – Again, kind of funny slash creepy of like, well, did you think other people might want to kayak or you went out without a life jacket? What if you died and then that company would have been destroyed? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just kind of showing like the ridiculousness of people in that society. Because when I was reading this book, I kind of felt like everybody was relatively young. Mm -hmm. And so they were like fresh out of college. Mm -hmm. They had no idea about Mm -hmm. adulting or, you know, this was their first real job. And that desire to have a click of like I want to be part of the click and because we're all in this company together this is the click mm-hmm. and we all need to look out for each other and it's almost like overbearing in yeah. regards to but I want to be friends why don't you want to be friends do you want to go get a hamburger how come you didn't invite me to go get a hamburger and it's just this weird mm-hmm. high school clicky drama type thing yeah. that seems to be happening yeah yeah they're very big on the community and there's a couple times where I did get annoyed like so her dad has an illness and so she rushed home one weekend because he'd had a, an incident and when she got back they're like where were you all weekend you didn't come to any community events and she's like my dad was sick and they're like well so well you 
but he got better. Why didn't you come back? You know, and it was like there was no empathy for the fact that she was dealing with a family emergency. Right. It was all about the fact that she didn't communicate with anyone that she was leaving and that she wasn't on the campus all weekend partying it out with the rest of the circlers. Yeah. So I was like, oh, crazy, crazy. You know, obviously we've had reality TV around for a while and it certainly is kind of poking, criticizing that poking fun, but it started getting into the, what I would call the idea of um, social media influencers, which Mm. is really big now. Mm -hmm. But what I find really bizarre and creepy again, is that really social media influencers on like Instagram and stuff, that's really only come about in like the last year or two is like, a thing thing and i think this book was written a few years before that so they predicted the future uh, okay (laughs) yeah one striking quote was privacy is theft um i was like oh okay and yeah it just you know they were like you should share any anything and everything no matter how embarrassing and personal it is because it might benefit someone else you should not have any privacy in your life ever and of course may is always like Oh, that's such a good thought. Okay. Oh, you want me to wear a camera around my neck 24-7? Oh, okay. That's brilliant. Uh. Oh, Jesus. Um, And the other things, I mean, so much. I mean, again, I wrote so many pages of notes on this one, but... It, it, there was commentary on the urgency of always having access to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you remember some of that. You haven't responded to my zine yeah. yet. Or yeah. can you do this favor for my daughter? Hello, did I make you mad? Can you uh, can you respond to me? At least let me know if you can do this. Hi, I still haven't heard from you. And you're like, holy shit. Yeah. I was like, if that person was talking to me, I'd be like, deuces. We are, we are done. Yeah. I mean, I don't – it takes me a while a lot of the time to – respond to somebody via text message or email or anything like that because Mm -hmm. I have an offline phone so I need wi-fi in order to access text messages or anything like that so it's kind of nice because I do have that sense of not always being quote-unquote connected like (laughs) it's like having a home phone Mm -hmm. where I can only log on when I have wi-fi so yeah it takes me a while Luckily, nobody seems to get offended by it. <laughs> well, you know, my, my parents live in a small town and it's it's somewhat rural. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like completely out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, they're like 10 minutes from town, but it's in a valley. And be, again, because it's such a small area, they do not have cell phone service out mm. there. And, be, and then they don't even have good internet service because of, again, just because of the logistics of it. Mm-hmm. So when I go to my parents' house... Literally, all we have is the landline and like satellite TV. So no internet, Mm. no cell phone. So it really is like this complete tech break when I go out there. That's nice. It is nice. But then when we drive into town, my phone starts blowing up. Right. Ding, 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 ding. You have a hundred new messages. (gasps) I'm like, Jesus, (laughs) I'm just going to turn you off now. So anyways, I, I certainly appreciate those tech breaks every once in a while. Yeah. All right, I'm coming to the end here. I found that I both pitied and disliked May. Mm -hmm. I think we've kind of talked about that a couple times. And she had this like savior God complex thing (laughs) going. And she was so overconfident and cocky about this is so great. Everyone should do this. Everyone's just going to love it. I'm going to convince you that this is the best thing ever. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you're so 22. No offense to any 22-year-olds We love listening. you 22-year-olds who've been there. I was like that too, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think we like, all are. Yes. And and I and I'm, I think I'm borrowing this word probably from one of the little descriptions on the book, but it's a parable of what could happen if we let technology dominate how we live our lives. And it's this commentary on privacy and how it's being increasingly eroded by the amount of information available to us on the internet. Mm-hmm. 
So it was a, a good read. <laughs> I, I definitely recommend it to everyone just because it makes you think. Yeah. And um, I, and it, yeah, I, I mean, and there's so many things I didn't even share, but it was good. Good. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. So one bust, one good one. We're on a good track. Well, I wouldn't even Three say Three out of bust. four is good. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, totally. We seem to know each other pretty well. I know. <laughs> Yay. So, all right. So should we take a quick break before yeah. you share your opinions? Sounds great. Awesome. See you guys soon. We are back. So, Kiri, I am dying to know what you thought of my last two picks for you. All right. So I'm going to start off with the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society by Mary Ann Schaefer and Annie Barrows. And I listened to this book as an audiobook. And so <laughs> these are my random thoughts. Wait, who's talking? At least they have different voices for all the different characters, but they are all British and it's hard to tell them apart. <laughs> The audiobook is a horrible way to experience this book. I have I just bought a copy of it if you want to give it I have it too. Oh. So <laughs> I'm finding this book very boring. Really? These people are boring. Why is this book so boring? <laughs> <gasps> okay, that's cool. So I didn't particularly like this that's book. All right. It's it all might right. be because it was an audiobook, so I will try and read the book, but I've just been like tainted by the audiobook okay. of really not enjoying it. Can I add something? You know, it's funny that you say that about the, like, who's talking uh -huh. and whatnot. There's a recent book come, that's just come out, Lincoln and the Bardo. Uh -huh. you read about that I one? I haven't. It's kind of one of those buzz books right now. And the library has the audiobook. And when I read about it, I was like, this is all so cool because the audiobook has over 160 different narrators. Oh, my gosh. And, like, really famous people like Megan Mullally and David Sedaris. Wow. And, right? Sounds super cool. Yeah. So hard to follow. Yeah, dude. I, this book was horrible on uh, audiobook. I, I didn't make it through it. And then the library asked for it back. So I gave it back to them. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give it one more try. Yeah. And I just returned it again because I was like, <laughs> I just can't do this. But they have the book book at the library. So I picked it up. So we'll see if I find time. I'm curious to <laughs> see if I like it better in the written format. But yeah. I was so excited about the audio version. But it was just, it was too much. Yeah, that's how I felt with this book as well. So as you can guess, I didn't particularly enjoy this book um i rated it a two on my goodreads list Whoa. which is pretty low for me i don't do that often i mean that's a that's an it's okay it's so. okay but it's definitely like not a <laughs> book i'm gonna read again and you know like i said it's probably because i listened to it and it didn't really make sense in my brain because they all sound exactly the same and trying to remember mm -hmm. their names and it was just a little too convoluted for me well, um, it's told in the format of letters, right? Yes. So yep. I could see that. Yeah. I, I feel like super the, weird. Yeah. So I think in the written part, since I read it, reading other people's letters, you know, it's always kind of fun. And yeah, like, you know, you're kind of like looking in. Totally. On <laughs> you're like snooping. Yeah, snooping. That's um, But I did, you know, I did think it was really cool that they did get six different narrators to read the mm -hmm. different characters. It was just. It was too much for my brain to handle, and mm -hmm. I recently got a new job. And so between learning that stuff and then trying to listen to this book, it was just a little too too much for my brain. I wonder if you read the book first and then you listened to the audiobook, if that would make a difference. Maybe. I've never done that. I usually just do one or the other. <gasps> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean – But I could – I bought the book a while ago, uh, I think back in December. I don't know, whenever we started mm – -hmm 
talking about doing this podcast. So it's still on my shelf. I didn't return it. I'll give it a shot mm-hmm. once I forget the confusing part of the audiobook. Gotcha. They did have really good quotes about reading. So I picked one that I thought was the best one, in my opinion. And it's That's what I love about reading. One tiny thing will interest you in a book, and that tiny thing will lead you into another book, and another bit where there will lead you into a third book. It's geometrically progressive, all with no end in sight and for no other reason than sheer enjoyment. And I just thought it was really cool because these are people who do enjoy books and are reading books and explaining books and, you know, just being captivated like we are by books. And Mm -hmm. so I really enjoyed that quote. But other than that, I have nothing else to say because I just found it very boring. And it it might have been because the Mm -hmm. audiobook was too confusing for my little brain to handle. Well, and just the topic may have not spoke to you. Yeah. So it's funny. I, th- I I feel like out of all the books I recommended <laughs> to you, I felt like that one was going to be totally in your wheelhouse, given what you like. Yeah, no. And it was your least favorite. <laughs> so go figure. <laughs> uh, so the second book is 100,000 Kingdoms by N.K. Jemisin. And it's actually the first book of a series, and I plan on reading the rest of the oh. series because this book was really good. Oh, good. So my random thoughts throughout this book are... How on earth do you say these character names? <laughs> I'm just going to use unintelligible gibberish. <laughs> oh, God, what is going on with Yen and her souls? She's their mother? WTF? Yen is one badass lady. Why is she attracted to the Night Lord? Isn't he her son? What is happening? Sex with a god seems like a terrible, horrible idea. Oh, yeah, agreed. It My- never ends well. No. <laughs> And then I wrote mic drop because, you know, shit hit the fan. (laughs) And then the last thought was, holy crap, she's back. She's back. So I really loved this book. And I started it again as soon as I started my new job. So it took me a while to get through it. It was slow going at first. But once it got going, I could not put it down. That's a good sign. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it is it, good. It's, it's very good. good. Well, you know, you're my advanced screeners. So you were going <laughs> to totally read it. Whether or not <laughs> so to read good. this. So now and I'm the like, library Ooh. has it, so you can get it for free. Because we have so much spare reading time right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we have a pretty ambitious schedule for ourselves right now. Uh, <laughs> so the one downside is that I really didn't know how to say any of their names. And mm-hmm. so it was just kind of skimming over them and not really paying attention. And I was completely captivated by Yen's, Yen's, I don't really know how to say her name, story and what the hell was happening because it's just kind of this weird, confusing, she's part of this elite royalty group and then her family moves away and then her family disowns her mother and she comes back because now she's apparently the heir of the royal family, but the two cousins are crazy and they think they should be heir. So it's a lot of like family drama, but mm. in regards to royalty and they own gods. So there's... They own... Wait. They own gods. Yeah. So like the gods that created the kingdom okay. are now like in shackles basically and are Ooh. owned by people. That's so they're creepy. not like gods anymore. They still have all their godly powers and they could kill you if they wanted to, but they don't have the freedom. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Night Lord is one of those and he was very interesting throughout the whole book. And I'm not going to get into too much detail because I think his character development was really, really cool. You know, I am one of those lucky people that can picture the stories in my brain. And so my brain was creating the most elaborate scenes and everything was 
articulated so well that I think it really allowed me to picture those mm-hmm. things and picture the characters and make it so that it was like a real time movie in my head. I'm not going to say anything about the ending because <laughs> that is lame and I don't want to give it away. And right. it's really good. And I think everybody should read it. And you said this is a series. It is a series. Okay. Yes. I don't know how many books are in the series, but this is book one of okay. the series. Okay. My favorite quote that I picked out for this one is, It is blasphemy to separate oneself from the earth and look down on it like a god. It is more than blasphemy. It is dangerous. We can never be gods after all, but we can become something less than human with frightening ease. So that just kind of gives you this. Mm -hmm. It's basically choosing good or bad and evil versus not evil. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the main character, Yen, is just a very good person it seems like and she has been thrown into this really crappy situation and she is so unprepared for it and (laughs) it's just there's so much manipulation and oh Mm -hmm. it is it is delightful (laughs) well yay well i'm glad i i I had a good feeling about that one too yeah so yeah and that was kind of my wild card pushing you out of europe (laughs) how funny is that that the one that you thought that i would love the most is the one that i didn't like yeah and the one that was your wild card is the one i was like ooh. Ooh, five stars on Goodreads. Right. Well, and honestly, I was really nervous about the two Pride and Prejudice-themed ones from last week. Yeah. So I, it made me happy that you were able to appreciate them for what they were. Yeah, and, I kind of had to let go of Jane yeah, Austen and just uh-huh. be like, this is another book and they're uh-huh. very similar and don't cling to that Jane Austen right. Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad overall it was a good reading experience for you. Yeah, and definitely. thank you for mine as well. Yeah, I'm <laughs> glad that out of four books, we each got three good ones that we really, really liked. Because that's because we're awesome. We're awesome. The bee's knees. The bee's knees. The bee's knees. That's what we should have called the podcast. <laughs> the bee's knees. Oh, that would have been amazing. No one would have known what it was about, but it would have been a great name for a podcast. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that brings us to the end of our initial book recommendations that we made to get our podcast kicked off. Next week, we are going to start with short stories. Yeah. <laughs> so funny story about these. Did I tell this story already? Yes. When? Last week. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because we introduced that we were going to be doing short stories. Yep. Oh, man. Sorry, people. My brain is like, whew. So, yeah, so we are doing short stories next week, and um, we wanted to go ahead and share our picks with you. So in case you want to pick them up and try and breeze through them before next week or just get started on them, please feel free. So, Kiri, what was your book? So the book that I'm going to pick is What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky by Leslie Anima, A-N-I-M-A-H. And this will be in show notes. And then I picked What Is Not Yours Is Not Yours by Helen Uyimi. So, yeah. And fun fact is that without knowing, we both picked African-American female British authors. Yeah, we did. Bing, bang, boom. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even read anything about the authors until recently. And then, yeah, that's funny. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, we look forward to sharing our reactions with you next week. Um, So we will be talking a little bit about what makes a short story a short story, or maybe where they come from, if we can find, if the Google will tell us that. And then we will also give you some recommendations outside of what we read, what we talk about, either things we've read before, other things that were highly rated, um, classics and current and things like that. So hopefully we will leave you with some short story inspiration one way or another. I'm going to leave that task to Corey because I don't particularly 
particularly like short stories, and I have not read any other short stories except for the two that we're about to read yeah. this week. So join us next time. Yes. Thank you for listening. Hey, book friends. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. Head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 